0: Welcome in, everybody. Uh, we are rebranding ourselves to the Day Traders. We thought it's better because in season we're not going to be doing as much Dynasty content. So from now on, we are the Day Traders. The Friday show will still stay the same and similar type of episodes, longer form, um, better advice than what Tyler gives. Sorry, Tyler, but yes. it's better. Exactly. It um, is. <laughs> we're just more experienced with life than he is. Yeah, and we just think Clyde edwards is a good running back. That's probably what it comes down to. at like the, the the very bottom core of the tree split, you could say, between our fantasy analysis. So let's hit that intro and get started. Are you ready, Jim? I'm ready. Wow. Just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Show me the money. <laughs> I, I forgot to mention the name or the, the name, the, the topic of the the podcast, the video, but I mean, they probably saw it down below. So it's quarterbacks that we are avoiding. Um, this can probably go in dynasty or redraft. I said redraft focus because um, it's what people care about the most probably coming up here. So, Duane, how are you doing? I'm all redraft on this
1: one, man, because the guys that I'm avoiding in redraft – are not necessarily the guys I'm avoiding on Dynasty. So take it's redraft here. Redraft. redraft. Okay. redraft. No, I'm doing great. Um, I'm very sick. My throat's all fucked up. So um, who knows? I, I might start like hacking some shit up in the middle okay. of this thing. And if I do, just deal with it.
0: You're probably going to um, do that
1: because the players are gross. I mean, that's probably why you're going to do it, yeah. I guess. we could just, we just roll along with it. I don't have a beer or a shot for the people today because I, I literally can't. I tried – I experimented with just a sip of a beer, and it felt like a fucking flamethrower had been taken to my throat. I couldn't handle it. I'm, I'm a bitch, and I apologize to the people. I know I let you down, but it is what it is.
0: We'll see you next week. We'll be, we'll be here next week, too, and the week after, and the week after that. So first up, quarterback that you should not be drafting. Uh, I'm going to go first this time, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I pulled different ADPs because I realized that people use all different whack ADPs, and none of them matters until the ADP of your actual draft. So Fantasy Mojo, the site we use, QB12, Fantasy Football Calculator, uh, free site, QB10, and the Fantasy Pro's ADP Consensus, QB9. Let me stop so you if, for a second. Are those yeah.
1: all redraft ADPs? Or are yeah, they're like- all
0: redraft. All, all the ADPs are redraft. I guess you could yeah. just apply maybe some of the stuff to Dynasty, but don't, don't think about that too hard. Um, so as you can see – His ADP really hasn't dropped from last year. He was going to, like, the QB four or five last year, if I remember right. And you'd think after the season he had last year would drop maybe to, like, the 14, 15 range. So, last year he had all opportunity in the world. Eighth in pass attempts, fourth in red zone attempts, second in deep attempts, and fifth in air yards attempted. And that resulted in 15 fantasy points per game, eighth in passing touchdowns, which was, like, two above, like, 14th in passing touchdowns. So, it wasn't that – big of a gap and 11th in passing yards and his completion percentage was 2.8% less than expected or his CPOE which is completion percentage over expectation so as you can see he was just not good last year with the opportunity because some people just think it was because they ran the ball a lot but in reality they really didn't Um, they were just a good offense that had the ball for a good time possession because they just kept turning the clock because they had a good run game And I think the one thing that probably saved him the most um, in the graphic on the screen you'll see is from Rotoviz. it's just his fantasy output um, from last year. Uh, The the bar charts are the fantasy points he scored every week, and the lines throughout it are the black one is the the weekly QB12. So the weekly QB12 and all the area higher would have been a QB1 of the week. And from the red to the black would have been a QB2 for the week. So as you can see, he had some boom games. Um, In those boom games, I'm pretty sure he threw like five touchdowns in every single one, four or five touchdowns. So it's not like he was throwing the ball, completing a lot of yards, like 300, 400 yards. He was just throwing four to five touchdowns. And then the uh, games below that were just bad. Like you don't want him in the lineup in those games. So really what it comes down to is you're drafting him based on name. There's a ton of different pivots left over that behind him, Stafford, Jared Goff, Burrow, as gross as that is to say it, I'd probably take Burrow over Aaron Rodgers. I'm sure Big Ben's down there. I'm sure Tannehill's down there. I'm not really for sure the rest. Um, But it's just not a good spot. And then they go out and draft Aaron Jones, and that's been sort of the narrative all year. Um, so I looked at the splits, which is now on the screen. Uh, the 13, so in split, um, is the games they won. So there was a plus point differential. And out of split, the three games, the games they lost. I, I, do you know if there's a site where you can – do it by when trailing and when leading because like that's not like necessarily when trailing when leading but it's like when winning and losing i guess
1: yeah i don't i don't know that there is a play not that
0: i know i mean i can look right now mm-hmm. no, um, no i mean i was just thinking like in general because i was trying to like figure that out um but basically the 13 <coughs> games as you can see the pass attempts and rushing attempts uh seven more passing attempts than rushing attempts but in the games they lost that shifted to 41 passing attempts and 19 rushing attempts. So in reality, you wanted him to come from behind The Aaron Rodgers, we all know, coming back, throwing Hail Marys. That was still there last year. But then you go down and look at their schedule, um, and they're projected to win nine to nine-and-a-half games, depending on the book you go to. They only play three teams with win totals projected higher than them, meaning if you really break it down, three teams that they're going to be trailing behind if you just compare win totals. So really – you're breaking out a quarterback that's not very efficient last year and only gonna be throwing the ball 34 times a game. I just don't see much really upside in there, and especially because quarterbacks in general, if you're not taking one early, you're just taking upside chances, streaming chances, anyways. So I just think he's a guy that I'll probably fade. Superflex. I mean, I'm okay with him as my QB2 and superflex, but I know I'm not going to be getting him there unless I go QB QB. So I would just probably avoid Aaron Rodgers altogether. Uh, probably just in. General, probably. Um, ADP, yes, but I think it's just kind of a more of a headache than it is a success to have him on your team.
1: Uh, I'm going to challenge you a little bit on on Rogers here. Obviously, as a Bears fan, I don't love him, but for a long time he's been a good fantasy quarterback. A couple of the things that I'm concerned about when I start thinking about do I fade him, do I not fade him. One, um, Aaron Jones' touchdown numbers are coming down. Do we agree on that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so if Aaron Jones' touchdown numbers come down, let's say he has six less than he did last season, which would still be a really nice touchdown total for the kid. Um, are you? Do you imagine any of those go the passing route, or are they all going to go straight to A.J. Dillon? What do you think? You said yourself yeah. he was fourth in red zone passing attempts. Unfortunately, not a lot of those ended up in touchdowns. Aaron Jones ended up having uh, an extraordinary amount of those. So one concern I would have is that some of those are going to shift back to the Aaron Rodgers red zone passing touchdown that we've seen for so many years.
0: Yeah, it's tough because I don't know if there's a good answer to that question because like my thinking would be, yes, they're going to go down due to the fact that we think Dylan's going to be more of a goal line threat than Aaron Jones is. But Aaron Jones is really, really good on the goal line. Like, yes, he had a lot of volume, but he was very efficient on the goal line. So you think maybe they just give it to him again. But then there's also the fact that, like you said, um, say he goes down to 10, which is, like, top three uh, rushing touchdown. Like, uh, if he gets that next year, it will be top three for sure. Does that go to Rodgers? I don't know. Because, I mean, if he's not throwing to Devontae Adams, who's he throwing the ball to in the red zone? So, like, it's it's a a tough question. That, that's yeah. one of the big
1: points that, that weighs in your favor, right? Because it's Devontae Adams and then everybody else on that team is a trash mm-hmm. receiving option. I don't know. Maybe Devin Funches can actually play football after, after missing a season, but that definitely goes in your favor. The other concern I would have is, um, you know, you said yourself from behind, he throws it a lot more. Matt LaFleur is willing to throw it a lot more from behind. I don't think they're going to win 13 games this year. I mean, if you take three of those away and give them a 10 and six season, even last season, um, what does that do to where Aaron Rodgers finished? What does that do to his point total, his his yardage total, his attempts total? I think Yeah. I think there's room for regression the other way here. I don't think he should go where, – where, where did you say he was going? I don't think he should go as high as eh, – 10 is probably 10, about yeah. right. It's about right for me. Um, but there's a little concern when you tell people to fade him. I see the point. There's just a couple of factors that hmm. make me sort of hesitate. Um, but, uh,
0: yeah, you know – yeah, and it's, it's tough. Tell. Yeah, because, like, I mean, we even talked about it. I was, like, pulling hairs to find guys for, like, quarterbacks. Because, like, I I thought in my head there was so many. And then you go and look at their real-life football stats and how they played and then compare that to the fantasy. And it's like, wow, he was actually, like, not a bad option. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just more – avoid in a sense but like just pause your expectations maybe it's look at the expectations yes yeah just look, maybe look to Joe Burrow Jared Goff
1: maybe a good time just know, to yeah. remind the people our weekly reminder to people that you can fade guys all day but everybody's worth it at a price somewhere right so you're not sure. we're not saying do not draft these guys at all like there's always a time to draft these guys make sure you get the right value for them. and maybe the value that you Um, you should be looking at him as a little bit lower than where they're going right now is is really what we're arguing here. Sure. Um, Sure. I didn't think it was that hard picking some quarterbacks to fade. Uh, I'm going to give you some names that are a little more ballsy than I think what you did. Low hanging fruit there. I'm going to say right off the top, I think we need to, we need to really take a step back from Deshaun Watson. Um, I'm concerned about Deshaun Watson. My original rankings, my original projections had him at QB 13. I think I've said that on the show before. Since then, he's already – I think he's at 11 or 12 now. He's come up just a little bit as I kind of tinker with these numbers all offseason. Every little thing that happens, we make changes. So, nothing's locked in stone now. Between now and September, God knows how many things are going to change. But right now, I'm telling you to, to fade Deshaun to Watson. So, his ADPs, same thing, Fantasy Mojo, is QB5. These are redraft. He's a little higher in Dynasty, but in redraft, uh, fantasy calculators got him at six and at fantasy proceeds at six as well. So all pretty consistent there. There's two big reasons why I'm telling you, you need to lower your expectations for Deshaun Watson and maybe lower your expectations by quite a lot on this guy. The first one, you can't, you can't ignore the elephant in the room. Um, he he lost the best weapon that he'll ever have on his receiving core when DeAndre Hopkins gets traded off of this team, the bottom line is that he is a quarterback's best friend. It's undeniable that it, his catch radius, his ability to push himself open at any given time to catch anything that's anywhere near him, um, his red zone threat. These things are undeniable. And uh, none of the receivers that are coming onto this team do those things. None of these receivers that are coming onto this team, this team are even wide receiver ones. They're not X receivers they are all complementary, uh, But, Without somebody to compliment it, time will tell what they can actually do. The, the most telling statistical differential that I saw here when I was looking at this was this. So, so you, can, you can find the quarterback's accuracy rating. Otherwise, how often do they throw an accurate pass? You know, Player Profiler, I think, does this one. Uh, and then you can also see their completion percentage ranking. So presumably, in a, in a perfect situation, in a vacuum, an accuracy rating and a completion percentage rating would be pretty close. Now, they're not that way, and a large part of that is because of the receiving core. You know, there are receivers that are better at catching inaccurate passes. Um, When it comes down to it, that's that's what it is. In 2019, Deshaun Watson was the 15th most accurate quarterback in the league but had the 8th best completion percentage. In 2018, his only other almost full season, he was the 22nd most accurate quarterback in football, and he had the 8th best completion percentage in football that's a big difference in both of those seasons um and and while it's not always as cut and dry as this i'm telling you right now that deandre hopkins was the reason in 2018 i can tell you that deandre hopkins had 46 inaccurate but quote unquote catchable passes which was a it's it's a huge number by far and away more than anybody else in the league. And he caught 76% of those. Do you know how many receivers in the league had 76% total catch percentage last year? Not that many, yeah, right? Six,
0: One? seven, maybe yeah. like, yeah. So
1: the point is DeAndre Hopkins catches everything, whether it's accurate or not. Does Brandon cooks do that? No. Is Randall Cobb going to do that for you? No. Kenny Stills. I mean, there's not a guy on this team left anymore that can do that so so right out of the gates and i'm doing my projections i have to lower Deon or deshaun watson's uh, completion percentage and when you, you lower it, so he, he's not going to throw the ball more than he did last year uh he, he's going to complete less passes he's going to get less yards out of it less touchdowns all that happens when there's less catches right so right out of the gates we have to do that the bigger area of concern for me when you lose uh nook though is in the red zone in the last three seasons, while Deshaun Watson has been playing in games, Hopkins has had 19 touchdowns from inside the red zone. That's over basically 35 games or whatever it is, 36 games. Um, that's a really nice number. He's finished inside the top three at that position more often than he's not. Touchdowns from the red zone. Uh, that's, a, that's a big thing that you're losing. It's a big target. Now, I know a Darren Fells came on late last season. Uh, to do a lot of red zone work. But if we're relying on Darren Fells or even Jordan Aikens and the pair of them to do the red zone reception work that DeAndre Hopkins is vacating on this team, uh, then then by all means draft Deshaun Watson as high as you want him to. I'm not going to lean on these two tight ends that you couldn't have named for me eight months ago. My second big concern about Deshaun Watson is uh, in the rushing game. So, you know, last season, 500 yards, 600 yards the season before that he does a lot of work for you on the ground. Deshaun Watson does. He's going to continue to do a lot of work for you on the ground, but I'm going to assert right now that he's going to do less work for you on the ground in 2020 than he has in the past. Uh, first off we go from Lamar Miller and Carlos Hyde are the two feature backs that he's played with. If you want to sit and tell me that David Johnson is not more uh, physically athletically talented than those two guys, then I'm, I'm done with this conversation because you're, you're, you're being fucking ridiculous. Even with Lamar Miller and Carlos Hyde though, running backs on a Bill O'Brien Houston, Texans team get work. Lamar Miller averaged uh, inside that he averaged, I think number 10 at uh, total carries for running backs. Carlos Hyde was, the, had the 12th most carries of all the running backs in the league last year, even though he was sharing work with Duke Johnson. My expectation is David Johnson gets 270 plus carries this year. Hyde um, had 240 last year. Okay. So some of those carries, Duke Johnson's still going to play, but some of those carries are coming from Deshaun Watson's, share uh, of that work. It's going to happen this season. Bill O'Brien, now GM of his team. He's the guy that decided to honor the $10 million contract for David Johnson rather than attempt to renegotiate. Uh, obviously, he has intention on using this guy. He's always wanted to have a really good feature back. He's always tried to have a good feature back, even though he's never had a very talented back. He's got one right now. The big concern again here comes down to the red zone though it comes down to that touchdown work last season Deshaun Watson had seven rushing touchdowns five of those came from inside the five yard line that's because Carlos Hyde is not and has never been a very efficient goal line back Um, it's just not it's not something he can do Lamar Miller has never been a good goal line back David Johnson, on the other hand, has always been a good goal line back. He's been right around the top four or five uh, at that statistical category whenever he's played. Now, I know he's not always playing, but whenever he's played, um, he's been pretty efficient there, right around 60% success rate, which is really good. I think three backs last season would have beat uh, his career number of about 60%. So I expect David Johnson to get a lot more work this season than running backs have in the past. I expect David Johnson to get a lot more goal line work. Um, he's going to take that right away from Deshaun Watson because he can do it and Deshaun Watson doesn't have to. Those are the times when your quarterback gets hurt when he's sprinting for the pylon and mm-hmm. two linebackers and a D end are chasing him. That's not what anybody wants on the Houston Texans organization. So look, I, I'm giving you a stat line here. This is what I think Deshaun Watson is going to do this year. 3,500 passing yards, 24 passing touchdowns. That's got to come down from the 26 or seven he's done in the last couple of years. 13 interceptions. I think he'll have 400 rushing yards and still four, four rushing touchdowns. So I'm not taking a shitload of numbers away from this guy, to be honest. A little bit here and there comes down, and that was enough to drop him down to my QB 12. It's time to fade this guy because those are going to be good numbers for him at the end of the year. Those are reasonable numbers for him at the end of the year, but they're just not good enough to put him at the five or six where he's being drafted.
0: Yeah, it's just – I think it's too obvious to drop him, and I think the only way he could counteract that is by getting fluky fantasy points, and by that I mean – he throws three touchdowns, uh, all 60-yard bombs to Cooks, Fuller, Stills, uh, yeah, plays if, the
1: slot. If Will Fuller plays all 16 games, then he he might have four, three touchdown games. He might yeah. have five, three touchdown games, maybe. But that's yeah. that's not, not likely to happen. Will, could it happen? Yes. It's just not likely. And that's what we have to go on when we're making these projections.
0: Yeah. I mean, but in reality, like when I make my first run of rankings right now, it's Lamar, Mahomes, Dak, Russ, Kyler. I'm flirting with Josh Allen and Matt Ryan over him. Uh, Matt Ryan's just so high on Calvin Ridley and Hurst and Hula. You have to be. But yeah, I think it's just a spot where, like, unless you're getting him at, like, the QB 7 or 8, like, it's not worth the pick. Um, QB 13, based on stat line, yeah. I just think his talent will get him, like, a low-end QB 1 no matter what. No matter how bad the situation is, he will be a QB 1, I think. On a per game basis, and I think the combination of Cooks, Stills, Fuller, Cobb, David Johnson, Fells will somehow work out some games. Um, so we'll kind of see how that plays out. But yeah, I think it's we're not saying like he's gonna be terrible at fantasy, but it's definitely like why take him as the QB four when you can just go take Matt Ryan, probably five rounds later most of the time in in main uh, main main redraft leagues and he's going to yeah. put up the same numbers for sure i would have i would have drew Brees over deshaun watson
1: 10 out of 10 times this season in for redraft sure. fuck yes yes for sure
0: next up here another young quarterback with a lot of potential well potential in quotes for this guy baker mayfield and listen we we've been getting one or two guys in the comments saying like what is that take or it's a terrible take or like right, whatever whatever
1: If everybody agreed with us all the time, then they wouldn't watch. There's no reason to watch if we're just saying what you
0: already think. One of these days, people will realize Baker Mayfield is not a good quarterback. All right? Yes, he's a good quarterback because he's in the NFL. There's only 32 starting quarterbacks. In reality, there's only like 20 starting quarterbacks that play for a long time. But he was not good last year. Everyone wants to blame the offensive line for not giving him much time to throw. That's why he couldn't hit the injured receiver, Odell, who just isn't good, and the slot receiver, Jarvis Landry. But listen, PFF does a QB annual, like, PDF book database thing. I don't know. It's like 400 pages. I just control F and pull up stats from it. His QB grade from a clean pocket ranked 26th among all quarterbacks. And you'd be like, okay, well, if his QB grade under pressure is bad, then, yeah, the O-line was just bad. Nope, he was fifth under pressure. So the O-line had nothing to do with it. Like, there was no reason why the O-line had to affect it. They were 10th in adjusted line yards, 18th in pass protection, so right around average. He took one sack above league average. He took an average amount of sacks that probably 16 other quarterbacks take the same amount every year, and league average time to throw. Sounds like if the line was worse, he'd have been better off. Yeah, then they got better. I'm not saying you can't take – I'm not saying Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin make the O-line, make him worse, but I'm saying, like, you can't you can't use that as a positive or a negative because he was – Good with a battle line last year. He averaged 500. He averaged, sorry, not averaged. His final, like, stat line was 500 yards over expectation. How that's calculated is a combination of volume, passing attempts, team trends, situational splits, stuff like that. So he actually outperformed what he was projected. That's to show that this offense is not made for fantasy quarterbacks, right? But now it gets even worse. Kevin Stefanski comes in. People are going to be like, oh, the analytical guy is going to come in and he's going to. He's going to make this team better by running better plays, blah, blah, blah. Kevin Stefanski last year was the OC of the Vikings. He ran the offense. They ran the ball the highest in the red zone at 60%. I'm pretty sure the Browns were like third at like 52%, if I remember right. So 8% more. They ran the ball, I think, at a 57.8% – or sorry, 51% run rate compared to the Browns' 42% run rate. So that's more runs. They brought back Kareem Hunt. They actually gave a second-year tender to him, showing that they want to run the ball. They go out and get Jack Conklin, probably the best run-blocking O lineman or O tackle. Not a very good pass blocker. They get Austin Hooper, really good run blocker. They get uh, Harrison Bryant in the draft, really good run run blocker. So everything's showing that they want to run the ball. And if you're going to take an offense where he outperformed expectation and was QB – I don't even know what he was in points per game. I got to pull it up here. QB, like – it was like 20-something in points per game. I think it was 20. So he outperformed expectation at QB 20 in points per game. And now they're going to run the ball more, limiting his passing attempts. Like, what what is there to add up? Like, unless they somehow is like, eh, I don't think we're going to run the ball in the red zone anymore. They shove and cream out. We're just going to throw the ball to injured Odell and Landry, who just got surgery like four months ago. Like, there's no value there. I get he's at QB 15, and I get he might fall down to QB 20 sometimes. But, like, you're banking on a subpar Kirk Cousins fantasy performance for him this year. And that's a terrible comp because Stefanski was the coach for him, but it's literally the same exact team. Stefanski literally is replicating the Vikings team. And I know everyone hates having Kirk Cousins on their fantasy team because he doesn't, he doesn't provide the the upside that you want. And Odell is kind of part of this conversation. I put a thread on Twitter uh, breaking down his injury performance last year and his uh, article that uh, Rich Rebar did for Sharp Football Analysis breaking down uh, – Alpha wide receiver switching team. So in year two of the new team for switching in the top 24 ADP in that year. So Odell is definitely in the top 24 ADP for wide receivers. The average point differential in terms of fantasy – total fantasy points dipped 26% out of 11 receivers in the sample. 26% fantasy point dip from whatever he had last year. I don't even know what it was. So it's just not good. Like there's no – upside unless he's going to come out here and throw 40 touchdowns but like have you ever seen Kirk Cousins throw 40 touchdowns like no so it's not going to happen um I I just don't I wasn't on the Browns last year and I'm not going to do it again this year just because they added two run blocking guys because in reality it's not going to change anything that they already weren't good at um so I'm just going to fade Baker QB2 and a super flex yeah sure but most people don't play super flex QB2 and super flex can be anywhere from Jared Goff all the way down to Tyrod Taylor at any given week. So, the QB2 is not really a spot where, like, I have Baker Mayfield as my QB2 because you want him – you want a higher upside player in that QB2 spot.
1: Yeah, I'm totally off. Fuck Baker.
0: Fuck so Baker. bad. Like, I don't know. So everyone's like, he threw 27 touchdowns in his rookie year. Well, he should when you're losing every game. I hope he can throw 2.2 touchdowns a game his rookie year when they were down every single game. Like,
1: Yeah, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And, and, you know, people give you numbers all, all day long about why it happened last year and why it's going to be better this year. But like the bottom line is every time I watched a Browns game last year, I watched him play football and I thought, what the fuck is he doing? Like he's, he looks like shit on the field. Mm
0: -hmm. So my eye test
1: is maybe more important than any analytic numbers we can look at. And, uh, It says stay the fuck away. So I I know earlier I said we're not saying don't draft these guys at all. But for Baker, I'm saying don't fucking draft these guys at all. Love it. Love it. Fuck that guy. I'm going to hit you with one more. It's Carson Wentz who's going either the uh, QB 10, 11, 12, right in that range, depending on where you want to look for your ADP. Um, I believe he's my quarterback 24 right now, which, again, seems really extreme to a lot of people. And, and again, it's an early – early ranking system early projections all that stuff will change a little bit although he did bump down a little more just a couple of days ago and I'll tell you why in just a second three reasons why I think you should fade Carson once this year the first reason is my rushing concern for this so in 2019 last season you know the first season that he was really fully healthy after he uh, hurt his back real badly broke his back right let's say call it what it is um He ran the ball 62 times, seventh most in the NFL, only 243 yards, but that was 10th most in the NFL. He had a rushing touchdown, just the one. Um, I I believe those numbers come down even further from where they were last year. Look, Miles Sanders emerged in the second half of the season. Boston Scott emerged as a really solid option for this team. They add an undrafted free agent running back that I really like that I think is going to find his way onto the field this year. And Michael Warren, um, just a couple of days ago, the news comes out, Brandon Brooks, their stud right guard, one of the best guards in all of football, tears his ACL out for the entire season. All these things say, I think, Carson Wentz in this run game is 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 not necessarily going to thrive as he may have in the past, or it may look like he was ready to in the past. I think he's going to have less designed runs this year because there are other guys that can do it, and now there's a concern right there on that, on that strong side of that line. Last season, th- those three guys on the right side of that line all went to the Pro Bowl because they were the, some of the best run-blocking offensive linemen in the league. You lose the one right in the middle, that's a problem. That scares me as a coach, a play caller, especially if I've got a quarterback that's been injured in the past. Look, if, if I, if we just look at the numbers from last season and take his 62 carries and drop it down to 45 carries and keep all the averages the same, that would have dropped him from his finish at quarterback nine to quarterback 12. So you see how easy it is for these guys to fall when we get in that middle range there. Uh, so concern it. My second concern has got to be this guy's receivers. We saw last year, the team lost all of their fucking receivers um, Right now, I believe their starters right now, Um, if I'm making the depth chart, going to be Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Marquise Goodwin. Well, news a few days ago says Alshon Jeffrey doesn't actually have a timetable for his return yet from his Liz Frank injury last year. You know what that Liz Frank injury is? It's nasty. Mm -hmm. It's fucking nasty, and you certainly can't come play until you're ready. Alshon Jeffrey has had a hard time. Staying on the field over the course of his entire career, he's getting a little older. So that's a concern. And if we just look at Alshon Jeffrey and ignore the rest of these guys, Carson Wentz has a really, really, really definitive split between Alshon Jeffrey on the field and Alshon Jeffrey off the field while they've been on the field 56 games. So it's a good size sample that we can look at here and we can get some really good trends with Jeffrey on the field uh two touchdowns per game passing for Wentz without him on the field, one. With him on the field, half an interception per game, 0.8 with him off the field, which is a, a fairly sizable jump. Um, and two fifty-seven to two forty-seven, so you got less yardage passing as well. Not as big of a jump, but this is a this is a big deal. You lose an entire touchdown per game over the last fifty-six fucking times that this kid has played football when Alshon Jeffrey's not on the field. And at this point, I would not be surprised if he misses early. He may even land on the pup because he's never been a quick healer. Uh, so, so concerning. Fun fact, when you look at the other splits on this field, I know last season when all the receivers got hurt, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz really stepped up and became solid receiving options for this kid. So I was just looking at the, at the splits, and Goddard doesn't make a big difference at all, him on the field or off the field. But uh, statistically, in his career, Wentz has performed better statistically and for fantasy footballs with Ertz off the field than on, which I thought was really – It scary. makes
0: sense, though. I mean, like, the, the concept of Ertz is first downs, first downs, yes. first yes. downs. Like, so, like, it makes sense. And, and in perspective to the way the offense runs when the receivers are healthy, like it's electric because, yes. because Peterson's such a good coach. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird because there's so – is it what's like the sample size? Like, my thinking would be like because maybe there's 40 games with Ertz and three without him, something like that.
1: No, it, it was, it, it was, yeah, it wasn't big. I want uh, something maybe eight, nine. I don't know off the top of my head, but it wasn't nearly as big as what we have with the Elshon jeffrey split. Yeah, so are, are people seeing these, some of these things on a screen while we're talking? Are you yeah, I, I, I toss them up when, whenever you start oh, talking about them. Great. Um, all right, so let's talk about that starting three receiving core on that team right now. Let's say it's Alshon, Deshaun Jackson, Marquise Goodwin. That's the plan going into the season. I assume that's the plan going into the season. Will Rager find his way out there? I don't know. But those three guys, on, uh, the average age between those three is 31 years old. Okay, not a single one of them has started 16 games in either of the last two seasons. Last season, they averaged six games on the field between them. 2018 they averaged 10 games on the field between them. So look, we can say hey, as receivers are going to be healthy to start the season so he's got to be better, but the guys that they have don't stay healthy. They don't stay on the field. Even Goodwin who they went and traded for has a hard time staying on the field. I am very concerned about the receiving core on this team. Yes, you've got Rager coming in. Yes, Josh John Hightower was drafted. Yes, Ques Watkins uh, on the team, JJ Arcega whiteside last year. So we got a lot of young names that are going to be stepping into a role on this team and maybe filling in some of those injury spots and, and solving this problem for the team. But we're talking redraft right now and rookie wide receivers do not perform like somebody like Alshon Jeffrey could, if he were on the field, at least not in year one, JJ Arcega whiteside had a really hard time really getting it going last season. Um, I don't expect a whole lot from him this year either. So, if his stud wide receivers or his, his three starters get hurt, stay old, whatever they always do, uh, you have to expect a performance dip, a production dip, just because of the age of the guys coming in. Because even an exciting rookie wide receiver um, is still
0: just a, what, top ceiling for a rookie wide receiver somewhere around 28 yeah. wide last receivers. year, last year was like the only exception – but in reality, I don't know the actual finishes. My guess is AJ Brown is like QB or QB wide receiver like 1918. Yeah. And his was super inflated by lack of other targets type things. So yeah. Weird. I mean, like there was a report that came out the other day or yeah, saying that like they the, the report on Roto World. So what it showed was I wouldn't be surprised if regular leads the team in targets.
1: Which is, Roto- which is going to be a problem for Carson Wentz. A big problem if Rager leads yeah. to the,
0: the way The way the, the – if you actually clicked on the Roto World thing and then clicked on the link to the actual article, it was led receivers and targets, not tight ends, not Miles Sanders. So, like, the, the, way, the way it was worded was, like, that the receiving core is fine and it's not. I mean, like, Alshon Jeffrey, he's not playing this year. They, they, they literally try to trade him every single year and they can't because they front-loaded his contract. And when he plays, it's not like he's moving the needle. Deshaun Jackson will get hurt. Good one will get hurt. So you're looking at Rager, Hightower, and Watkins, who I think I think that could be effective with Eventually. yeah, with yeah. having Ertz and Goddard. Like that's a pretty weird trio that I think could actually work. But yeah, I it's just it's weird how they put themselves in this position every year and somehow do good. Like they've never like the last time they had an alpha was probably what, five years ago when Alshon Jeffrey was actually like an alpha receiver in the league maybe four years ago
1: jeffrey jeffrey's still a stud for carson wentz when he's on the field i mean he's not he's not a top name guy in the league no but he's fine in i mean if alshon jeffrey deshaun jackson and Marquise goodwin play the bulk of this season you might get a return on your qb 11 10 12 draft pick maybe there's there's a potential there but the chances of that happening are so slim and if these young guys come in, even if they perform well for rookie receivers um, and Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz go ape shit, like the numbers just come down. They have to. Mm-hmm. My last yeah. concern uh, is Jalen Hurts, and I want to explain that for a second. Uh, I know he's not – he wasn't drafted to come in and take over. He's not going to take over. You know, does he sometimes get in as a quote-unquote change-of-pace quarterback? Maybe. It wouldn't, ter- it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up with – 25 rushes on the season, 20 carries on the season as he comes in and kind of takes over even some more of that rushing work. But even if he doesn't, this team drafted Jalen Hurts because they know they need an insurance policy against their quarterback, a 27-year-old quarterback who has broken his back, broken his wrist, broken his ribs, torn an LCL, torn a PCL already in his four-year career if the team is spending that kind of draft capital, would they draft him like 58 somewhere in, the, in the, yeah, middle of the second round? Yeah.
0: like It was like, yeah, 53 to 58 range.
1: If, if the team is using that kind of draft capital to draft an insurance policy, then I'm concerned as a fantasy owner. And I need my insurance policy is just not drafting him as my QB one. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately at 10, 11, even 12, that's about a QB one, unless you went really early and I don't like to go quarterback early. So, so no thanks for me. My, I'll give you my stat line and my projections right now. I got them just under 4,000 passing yards this year, 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 185 rushing yards and one touchdown on the ground still. Um, so good, again, good numbers, but that would have been good enough for quarterback 20 in 2019 right like i'm not trying to take away all of his production but it's just not enough um, for me to for me to want anything to do with him where he's being taken
0: yeah i think the thing with him is like it's tough for me to say that he's gonna dip off because he would have last year he would have the year before that with the lack of weapons but the fantasy value like is this nothing to ride home about because his adp always catches up to him it always puts him at the 8-11, to 11, which when you're drafting a guy at 8-11, like there's not a definitive list because, like I said, there really, there really is no such thing as ADP when it comes down to it. Like it's whoever your guys you're drafting with want to draft. Right. But you're drafting him like the, the ADP – I don't know how to say there's no ADP gap in terms of where they fall on the draft board. Eighth round or eighth round – eighth quarterback is probably six rounds ahead of QB 13 And QB 13, like I've mentioned Jared Goff, like as bad as we think he played last year, he was a good fantasy quarterback. I don't know, Ryan Tannehill, guys like that, those are just as good as Carson Wentz. So like he'll never reach that point where he's going to become a value because he's such a good quarterback, no matter who he plays with that he, in real life, that he continues to produce. We see him in like a lot of, when people see something happen in the playoffs, they like to take that into the next year. We see this every year in fantasy. When they see it in prime time, they, they think things like Jared Goff sucks because he didn't, provide fantasy points for my team Leonard Fournette sucks because he had all the volume and it was only running back six like stuff like that that's like dumb. They're, they're dumb narratives like they're, they're they don't evaluate fantasy potential and I think that I'm not dissing on Carson Wentz kind of said he's gonna finish as probably QB 12 but it's per points per game it'll probably be QB 15 to 16 with the 80 chance he gets hurt and misses three games so yeah he's just not a guy that I mean, if you're getting like the QB 15, 16, yeah, like smash that. But in reality too, you're never, like I just said, you're never going to be getting him that low because people uh, respectively just like that. They just know that he's a good quarterback when it comes down to it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, oftentimes you draft the name for whatever reason, the name gets stuck in your head. Um, Pivot a little bit, just a general quarterback strategy. Can we do that for a couple of minutes before we Mm -hmm. leave? Yeah. So. I I told you when I was talking about Wentz, if you would have taken 17 carries away from him, he would have dropped three spots from nine to 12. This is something people don't understand. When you get past the first tier of quarterbacks, maybe the first two tiers, once you get past quarterback six, maybe seven, that next group of five to eight quarterbacks are separated by a touchdown. They're separated by... You know, 200 passing yards. There's almost no difference between, and you you mentioned it. I just want to highlight this there's almost no difference in points between the quarterback eight and the quarterback 14. So if you're spending, you know, five rounds earlier draft capital to get the eight instead of waiting, loading up in other positions and getting the 15, you're fucking up. That's not a good strategy. Mm -hmm. When it comes to quarterbacks, I've never been a draft early guy, but I understand the people that do because. It's either you take the top tier guys who are going to outperform everybody else by a good chunk, or you have to wait and take the value of even like a Ben Roethlisberger who is going late as fuck, but is going to finish within, you know, a couple of touchdowns worth of fantasy points as somebody like Carson Wentz, as far as I'm concerned. Phillip Rivers has every chance of finishing in that same humongous tier of tier four
0: quarterbacks. So wait, wait, wait. Yeah, I think the way I look at it as if you're going early, it has to be safe, right? So like I said, when I was looking through what quarterbacks like were bad, there was not many. Thinking that you'd want to go QB late, but in perspective to we we're trying to find players to avoid, a lot of guys have decent floors that you can make shift streamers. You can you can play the schedules. When it comes to early, like I think Lamar, I know we kind of have different viewpoints. I think that's a guy in the third round, any single quarterback leagues you can take because it's rushing floor. Like I said, it might not be the season he had last year. But, he'll but be fine. You, yeah, he'll, he'll, he won't disappoint you. Yeah. Mahomes could because last year he – the whole team took a step back in efficiency. Like we, we've only seen Mahomes be the QB1 when he threw 50 touchdowns. So you have to bank on that again. Russell Wilson, I love Russell Wilson in fantasy this year because I kind of finally bought into there's never going to – like the, the pass run split's never going to change, but his fantasy finish is never going to change either. Yeah. So my, I think I just like sort of shifted my mindset. I was like he's actually a really good value where he he's, goes every year. He's as safe
1: as it comes. I mean, he does not have the ceiling of any of the guys in my Tier 1, which is the only reason he's not in Tier 1. He's never going to have a four-touchdown game, 420-yard passing game. But – He's always going to have 280 yards and two touchdowns and some yards rushing. I mean, yeah. he's always going to be right – Right,
0: his floor is insane. So yeah, See, so that's why, like, he's a good investment because he won't disappoint you. Back, good pick. We saw last year the team only got better. Kyler, like, it's risky. So, like, I might fade Kyler in the early rounds because I know the risk is – I would say it's 50-50. I still think the Cardinals aren't that great yet, um, but in the long term, Yes. So like I think things like if you're going early, you need to know that he is your quarterback for the whole year minus one week and minus injuries. Like you can't you can't be taking Lamar, Mahomes, Russ, Dak, and be like ah, I might stream Ryan Fitzpatrick this week because he right. plays the Jets. Because and then you're just counteracting your whole plan. And then in terms of like I mean, I guess literally my strategies are I go quarterback early that I that I that I want, or I just take like three at the end because like I said, there's no. In between, like, if Matt Ryan's there in the 10, stuff like that, I obviously will take him. But, like, I'm not, I'm not intending to go quarterback once I pass up on the first, really, three, four guys in general.
1: Yeah, I got, I've, got, I've got five. I've probably got six that I'd be willing to take inside the first six rounds just because I think Breeze gives you that same kind of floor. Mm-hmm. After that, I'm not taking anybody till 10, 12. Like, I'll go late. I'll go late because I'm perfectly happy taking a Phillip Rivers at after everybody else is well over and done uh, with their quarterback drafting. Absolutely. And then like you, I'll take, I'll take a handful of them so that, you know, if I've got the bench space, I can stream out of my two or three that I've taken later um, that quarterback position and I'm fine. I don't have to worry about it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think there's definitely a lot of room to improve. Um, And we'll be attaching the strategy part to the end of each of these episodes at the beginning or whenever we want to decide to do them. So that was quarterbacks to avoid. Uh, next week, we're just going to lay out the rest of the schedule. So next week, running backs, receivers, tight ends. So four weeks from today, we're going to be touching upon the coaching changes, uh, something that you, you really, really like. Uh, Buck, I do too. Best. It is the best thing that you can – it is the
1: literal most impactful thing that there is in football and fantasy football. I can't fucking wait for those shows.
0: I love that reason. You love it. And then we're going to go quarterbacks to target on down the tight ends. And then the two weeks before the season starts – uh, we're going to be hitting uh, ASC betting primer and an NFL or NFL NFC betting primer, because we will be doing um, shows like that in season. Those can tie directly into fantasy just as well. So it'll be kind of a mixture of a show in general, um, but we will be doing that the two weeks before the season. And then in season, we'll have a whole new schedule for uh, the whole channel um, just because we have to, obviously, because football is hopefully going to be playing by then. Fuck Fauci. We're playing football. Let's do it. All right, we'll see you guys next week.